Hello and welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, K-beauty expert, founder of Style Story, where you can shop, learn and explore the world of Korean skincare and the founder of Korean beauty brand, Jellico. So welcome back to another deep dive episode. This is the episodes where we generally tend to go into you know, a particular area of the industry in a little bit more detail. So rather than just cover off things at a surface level, which is what we tend to do in our news update specials, which is every second week, on these episodes, I like to try and go a little bit deeper and have a more in-depth discussion rather than just touching on a whole bunch of different stuff, which is also fun. Uh, but that's why I've decided to break up the episodes and do them on alternate weeks. Weeks, uh, because sometimes it's really fun to you know see what's trending, what's in the headlines and whatnot. But I also think there are some topics that it's just too hard to cover them off, um, you know, in a three or five minute segment. And I kind of like to drill down in a little bit more detail. So today's topic is one of those, and that is need to know K-beauty ingredients circa now. So we're moving into 2024. Let's call it need to know K-beauty ingredients in 2024. Obviously, there are so many ingredients and we have actually covered a lot of different ingredients uh, and done lots of different ingredient focused episodes over the course of the show. We've done skincare ingredients from Jeju Island. We've done ingredients that Koreans use instead of retinol. I did one on fermented skincare, on some of the top trending K-beauty ingredients. So today I want to go a little bit further than just, you know, your snail mucin, your hyaluronic acid and your niacinamide. And that is not because I don't think those are good ingredients. They're great ingredients, but they're just done to death. And they're in everything. And I think if you are interested in skincare, you've probably heard so much about them at this point that you're just kind of like, okay, cool, but what else? Um, I also did, in case you are a little bit interested in, you know, diving a little bit deeper into ingredients, an episode on how to actually read an ingredients list, because this can be really, really confusing for people. Uh, you know, I know when I, before I really got into skincare 15 years ago, I probably wouldn't have paid too much attention to what was actually in the ingredients. It's kind of like the same thing with food. You know, you'll see some people as you're cruising the aisles of the supermarket and they're like flipping over the packages and like checking the salt content, checking the sugar content and what's in it. And then other people are just willy-nilly throwing stuff into their trolley. <laughs> I feel like skincare is kind of the same. Now, I think people that have just a general interest in skincare, they'll probably be a couple of call-out ingredients that they know a little bit about, maybe retinol, collagen, um, hyaluronic acid, niacinamide, those kind of ones. But K-Beauty is famous for using a really wide variety of ingredients, and it's also famous for trends that pop up and disappear pretty much as quickly as they started. But I've been noticing a couple of ingredients that I just think are really mainstays at the moment in 2023 
Uh, and I think that they will be mainstays going into 2024 as well. Now, these are not necessarily ingredients that you will have heard a lot about. Um, some of them, yes, and others probably not. But if you actually do flip your products over, I think you might be surprised to find that some of these are actually in your skincare ingredients and probably in some products that you really, really love as well. So next time you're looking at your ingredients list, you might, if we go through it today, in a little bit more detail what they actually do their purpose their function some of the results that you might notice from using products that contain these ingredients hopefully that will be you know just useful for you going forward now i've got a whole list of ingredients i've got a whole bunch of products as well that contain all of these ingredients so i've tried to simplify it for you and make it a little bit easier when you are going out and searching so i will pop them all in this week's show notes and I have spent hours on these so please do me a favor and go and check them out go and actually take a look at them if you scroll down in your podcast app if you are listening on an app you'll see a link to the show notes I actually do do this every week but this week in particular uh, this has taken me ages to put all of these together so hopefully some of you will find this a little bit useful now without any further ado let us jump into the ingredients and the first one that I have on my list just because I know how many of you are interested in it at the moment is red wild ginseng uh, and it has gotten a little bit of airtime on the show recently just because people have been asking a lot of questions about this ginseng is one of those ingredients that gets bandied around a lot by brands and a lot of brands really just cruise by on the reputation of this ingredient uh, without having done the hard work and this is why so panax ginseng which is the latin name for it is a herb and it belongs to the aureliaceae family and the genus panax and it has been used as a medicinal herb in traditional asian oriental skincare for literally centuries probably thousands of years i haven't gone back and sort of worked out when people discovered it but certainly in korea since at least the Joseon dynasty this ingredient has been very very highly prized now why is it highly prized a couple of different reasons one of them is because of how long it actually takes to get the ingredient and the other is because of all of the different ways that then it is used and the impacts and effects that it has on the body now in korea ginseng comes in a lot of different forms and orally so by the mouth it is taken in a lot of different tonics teas uh and you know soups and things like that if you've ever had um korean chicken soup uh, there's a special type of chicken soup that involves like stuffing a whole chicken putting it in broth it's absolutely amazing the korean name is samgetang and that often has ginseng in it as well but it won't be the same necessarily as the type of ginseng that you'll find in your beauty products and this is because in general it's typically harvested after three to six years of growth and then it undergoes an extensive cleaning and air drying process. In the case of white ginseng, it's steamed. And in the case of red ginseng, it's actually processed at a different temperature and for longer. So there are two different treatment methods. And because of that, the roots then differ in their saponin contents. So there are differences in the biological activities of different types of ginsengs and 
uh, scientists and people that research this have said that this is likely the result of changes in the chemical constituents that occur during the steaming treatment. So red ginseng has more potent pharmacological activities compared to white ginseng. That is it at like a really, really basic level. So ginseng supponents are referred to as ginsenicides, and they are believed to play important roles in the pharmacological action of ginseng. So there are so many studies that are done, particularly in Korea by Korean researchers, into all different types of ginsengs, into fermented ginsengs, into, uh, you know, what happens if you use the components that are often discarded and put them into a new ingredient, what happens then? And they're tested on all types of different, um, you know, I guess animals, animal testing for this kind of thing is still a thing. Animal studies is what they call it, in vitro testing, which is in a test tube, and then in vivo testing as well. So there are literally so many different, um, you know, papers and things like that out there. But in general, and this is, you know, speaking at a really general level and not in relation to any one particular product in particular, the purpose of red ginseng in a skincare formulation will be as an antioxidant. And studies have shown that in some cases it can inhibit melanin production and it is also a natural anti-inflammatory. Now, one particular study that I came across, which was quite interesting related to the skin, reported that the ethanol extracts of red ginseng increased collagen synthesis and also inhibited MMP1 activity. So MMP, what does that even stand for? So essentially what happens is the exposure to UV light induces the production of what is called matrix metalloproteinases, which is MMPs in the human skin. And they are responsible for the degradation of proteins like collagen and elastin and also proteoglycans. So they are divided, these MMPs, into about five major subgroups according to their characteristics, structure and localization. And MMP is the one that degrades type 1 collagen, which is the main type of collagen found in human skin. And if you are into all of this stuff, I will have all of the the studies and whatnot linked in the show notes so that you can actually go away and take a look at this in more detail. But basically, it has been reported that collagen synthesis is reduced in naturally aged skin and photo aged skin. I think we all know that at this point, your skin loses collagen as you age. uh, And that starts happening pretty much from your mid 20s onwards. Uh, And there's, you know, things that we can do to slow it down, but there's nothing that you can do to stop aging. So when this happens and we see this reduction in collagen synthesis as we increase our age, you will also notice an increase in the MMPs level as well. And that's where products like ginseng can come in handy, I guess, if you are trying to minimize some of the effects of aging on the skin. Now, that's at a very, very general level and not any research into a particular product. So that is really important to keep in mind. And the reason I say that is because you will, if you see any like ingredient roundup type articles or whatnot online, what you will often notice is they'll have a scientist that they interview that says all these really impressive things about a particular ingredient. And then there'll be a bunch of different products that are suggested. And when it comes to things like ginseng as an ingredient, 
ingredient, a lot of the suggested products do not necessarily contain the same types of ginseng that are being discussed by the scientists. So the things that have been studied and, you know, the reports and whatnot are not in relation to that product in particular. So just keep that in mind. And I've said this before, and I think it bears repeating, and that is that when it does come to your things like red ginseng, price will be an indicator of quality. And why? Because as I mentioned, it typically takes years and years to grow these, and then they have to go through an extensive cleaning and air drying process. That takes time. That takes money. And so you're not going to see the same results from just a really, really cheap product that has been cultivated at, you know, maybe six months in as you will from something that's grown six years. It's the kind the kind of similar to, you know, alcohols, whiskeys and things like that. You know, the really expensive ones tend to be aged a lot longer because that improves it. Think of ginseng like that. So if you're picking up like a $2 sheet mask or something that says that it has ginseng in it, I can almost guarantee that it does not have really expensive red wild ginseng in it. Um, I'd be willing to take a bet that it doesn't. So just keep that in mind. A product that I can tell you for a fact that does contain red wild ginseng is the line Jin uh, Yulhyang by the History of Who. So they have uh, a revitalizing eye cream and a, a wild ginseng facial oil. Both of those products do contain this red ginseng in them uh, and they are very expensive they are luxury beauty products and that is just because you know it is a lot more expensive to buy that kind of ginseng compared to other types of ginseng so um, just be a little bit wary when you see brands um I guess throwing around around the word ginseng because there is a difference and A lot of the studies that have been done, particularly in relation to anti-aging, will have been done in relation to this red ginseng and not just random any ginseng or white ginseng. There are differences in the saponin content because of it is it is suggested because of that that process uh, and what happens to the chemical constituents when they go through that the the different treatment processes. So that is probably the most complex and scientific of all of the analyses that I will do on today's episode. So if all of that was just like, I lost you, then don't stress the rest of the explanations that I give are hopefully going to be a lot more easy to digest. But I just think for that one in particular, just because of the pricing points of some of these products, it really does pay literally and figuratively to know why. What is the difference? Why are you maybe not getting the same product if you pay less? And that is why. Uh, A lot of other ingredients, it's not as critical, the difference between them, but that one in particular, I think it actually does. um, It is worth looking through the science uh, in a little bit more detail just to explain the difference. So without any further ado, let us move on to the next ingredient, and that is betaine. So betaine is an amino acid. It is used as a hemectin humectant rather which is one of the ingredients that draws in moisture to your skin and it is used to control viscosity which is like the thickness of a product and also as an emollient for skin and emollients help the skin to retain moisture Uh, so what does it actually do in skincare products it's going to help your skin stay hydrated 
plump and look more youthful because as I bang on about all the time, hydrated skin looks more youthful because it just has that plumping effect on your skin that really helps to hide, uh, you know, signs of dehydration, aging, fine lines and all of that kind of thing. So it's a gentle hydrator that helps your skin gain and maintain moisture. That is betaine in a nutshell. Uh, now, the products that it is contained in, we've actually got betaine in our Jelly Co Cinnamon Toast Sugar Scrub Foam, uh, just so that you've got that moisturizing component while you are uh, cleansing the skin. A lot of people think that when it comes to cleansers, you know, it doesn't really matter what's in them because it's not on your skin for very long. But cleansing is one of the steps of your skincare routine where you can uh, actually have a really big impact on your skin if you get it wrong. Uh, other ingredients, or rather other products that contain Betaine includes Solvasu's Concentrated Ginseng Renewing Serum. Uh, COSRX also has it in their Advanced Snail Radiance Jewel Essence as well. Uh, so if you look at any of those products, you might think, oh, well, the main ingredient is snail or um, cinnamon or you know sugar or something like that. But it, when you are coming up with a formula and putting a product together it's all of these supporting ingredients that also do actually have a role to play as well so when you flip the product over and you see something like that that is the purpose of betaine as a humectant skin conditioning agent or a viscosity agent uh, the next ingredient that I have on my list, I feel like this one does get probably a little bit of airtime, and that is better glucan. Uh, and that is because I think there are a couple of Korean brands at the moment that are highlighting better glucan as like a star ingredient in their formula. So what is it? It's a glucose chain that is used as an emollient. And it's also a bulking agent. So essentially, it is going to be used to retain moisture in the skin and to condition your skin as well. You will notice that a lot of brands that are using it claim that it helps to prevent damage, soothe the skin, reduce redness and irritation. And it would do that by conditioning the skin. So that is its its primary function and its primary purpose. So there are quite a few different K-Beauty uh, products that do contain better glucan. We've got it in our bubble tea steam cream, Jelly Co's bubble tea steam cream, which is a moisturizer. Uh, and so that obviously makes sense. You know, it's an emollient ingredient. You're going to want it in there. Tosung has it in their SOS Red Clinic Ovalicin Cream. And this is actually a type of product that is used uh, particularly by people that do have damaged skin, people that have a lot of redness in their skin. And it's not the ingredient that they chose to highlight, but this is a really important supporting ingredient in the formula. Hamish has it in their Marine Care Eye Cream. Uh, and April B has it in their Centella Seeker Repair Cream as well. Now, the only other thing I would say about better glucan, uh, and this is really dependent on the individual product itself, is that even though we are using all of these words uh, like preventing redness and irritation and helping to soothe the skin and prevent damage, you still cannot ignore the individual formulation of the product itself and whether it is right for your skin. Uh, a classic example I can think of a line that is devoted to beta glucan is the iUnique one, which they've got um, a beta glucan cream and also a beta glucan serum. And I have the exact type of skin that would really benefit from an ingredient like this. 
But those two products both cause breakouts in me and actually irritate my skin. So the opposite of what the ingredient is supposed to do. And that comes down to formulation and compatibility with your individual skin. So even though you see these words, you still, if you have like skin that is prone to damage, irritation and redness, I would urge you to just do the safe thing and actually uh, patch test them. So my initial patch testing, and it has been many years since I've used those products, but my initial patch testing was fine. It was with more regular use that I noticed the irritation and that it was causing breakouts for my skin. So those particular products I no longer use in my skincare routine, but it just goes to show you that everyone's skin is different and everyone's skin will respond differently. So you still can't ignore the basics when it comes to these new ingredients. You still will need to just check compatibility with your individual skin. So that's just a little bit of a PSA, I guess. Uh, And this is for all of these ingredients. Um, You know, that's just a general skincare rule. I think whenever you're introducing something new, start slow, test it in isolation to other products, and then, you know, isolate it to a a part of your face where you can actually see if you are responding differently in that that part of your face. Forehead is a really good one for me because that will usually throw up, you know, whatever reaction I'm going to have. And then it's just contained to my forehead and I can deal with that, um, you know, as a discreet piece of skin rather than having my entire face covered. Uh, and I really do have that kind of skin that responds to so many things really, really poorly. Um, yeah, I just, I, and that's, I'm not going to lie. That's one of the reasons I got interested in skin care in the first place and particularly in ingredients obviously as a person that like imports products and manufactures products now making skincare products I've got a much much deeper level of understanding about all the individual components in a skincare formula but when I very first got interested in skincare kind of in my teens it was because I had to I had bad skin I had really bad skin all through my teens I had terrible cystic acne and then once that had cleared up I was left with the scars behind so I was kind of forced into uh, you know, getting knowledgeable about skincare from a younger age. Uh, and, you know, obviously now it's become, it was a hobby for many years and now it's become my business. But that is, I guess, where it all stemmed from for me. So a lot of people you will notice that are really into skincare, um, you know, it will be because they've had, they've had a, an experience in their past. Maybe they're still dealing with it. Eczema, rosacea, psoriasis, something like that. They had to pay more attention to their skincare products. So now they know a lot more about them. I think that's pretty common. The next ingredient on my list is rice extract. And the inky name for this, so the chemical name is Oriza sativa, which is actually just the Latin name for it. So this is really, really popular in Korean skincare, has been for years. It does get a bit of air time again because there are some popular products that focus on rice. Uh, but I think because it is such a simple ingredient, sometimes it can get overlooked. So basically what we're talking about here is the extracts from a grain of rice. And it's used as an emollient for the skin and also for the hair. So helping you to retain moisture. Uh, what does it actually do? Well, this will depend on which part of the rice is being used. Is it the rice water? Is it, you know, the extracts from the rice itself and how it was prepared? But in general, it will help to deliver antioxidant benefits to your skin and it can play a role in repairing visible skin damage as well. 
So that's what it actually does. It is in quite a few products. Some of them are a little bit more obvious. For example, the Beauty of Joseon Deep Glow Serum. They call it Rice Plus Alpha Arbutin. So you can you can take away from that that it does actually have rice in it. I'm From has a rice toner. Uh, that is quite popular. Skin Foods Rice Mask Wash Off. Um, is there anyone that hasn't tried this product at, the, uh, at this point? I'm not sure. It's just so accessible. Uh, it's so cheap. I, I feel like that was, you know, a real staple K-beauty product when Korean beauty first sort of, you know, started getting a lot of mainstream attention. So I think a lot of people probably have tried that. We've got rice extract as well in our Jellico Cinnamon Toast Sugar Scrub Foam. Uh, so rice and sugar are both in there. So lots of different K-beauty products to look out for that actually do have Oriza Sativa or rice extract in them. Now, another ingredient that is a personal favorite of mine is birch sap. And this can go by different inky names. One of them is Betula alba leaf water. Another one is Betula platyphylla japonica. Uh, so I'll have links to those in the show notes, but that is basically just the, the Latin name. And that is because it comes from a tree. Uh, so it is an excellent emollient for the skin and it also can help with skin conditioning, retaining moisture, all of those good things. Uh, and what does it actually do? Well, because it has these hydrating benefits uh, and it contains 17 amino acids, it's full of minerals, enzymes, proteins, antioxidants, and vitamins. It is just a really stellar ingredient. It possesses quite a unique molecular structure, uh, molecular structure, and that is because it's small enough to penetrate into your skin. And that way it's better able to distribute all of the different nutrients that it contains to the skin, which can also help to improve your elasticity as well. So this is a real favorite of mine because I think it is such a great ingredient. So we actually use this one as the first ingredient in our dewy glaze toner. So we replace just ordinary water with uh, birch sap water, or as someone on uh, Instagram said, replacing pleb water <laughs> with uh, birch sap. And that is just because this one, I just cannot speak highly enough about it. I think it is such a fantastic ingredient. So that is actually the first ingredient in our Dewy Glaze Toner. There's a lot of other things in there. A lot of people focus on the hyaluronic acid because it has a few different types of hyaluronic acid in it. But actually, I think that the reason that it gets its unique texture and structure is really because of the birch sap, that being the first ingredient. There are other products and lines that contain birch sap. COSRX's oil-free ultra-moisturizing lotion actually has this in it. And so too does Neogen's Real Ferment line. So they've got like a uh, micro serum. They have a toner and an essence as well that all contain this as an ingredient. Uh, they are really highlighting the ferments in that line, but technically it also does contain birch sap. Now, another one that I think is increasing in popularity at the moment is Heart Leaf. And you may have seen this one by its inky name, its Latin name, which is Hutunia cordata. Uh, and again, that is because it comes from a plant. So that is just the plant's name. This is an antioxidant and an anti-inflammatory. And its purpose in a skincare formula will be for skin conditioning. So it contains an abundance of amino acids 
and fatty acids. So it's just a generally good ingredient for people that are looking to improve the strength of their skin barrier and to soothe irritation. Obviously, I would, you know, make sure that it is compatible with your skin, but that is its purpose and what it actually does in skincare products. So a lot of the top trending products in Korea at the moment do actually have heart leaf in their formula. So Mixun has a heart leaf essence, a bib has a heart leaf calming essence, number gin, their number seven mild green soothing serum. That's got a bunch of different green ingredients in it, but one of them is heart leaf. Uh, one thing has a product which is called Hutunia Cordata extract, and that is the key ingredient in that. And then Access Y uh, also has a Sarah heart, and they get the heart from heart leaf and Sarah from ceramides, uh, and that is in their My Type duo cream and that's one of those products that has two different sides to the moisturizer and one part of it is supposed to be it's for combination skin so one part of it is supposed to be for the portion of your face that is oilier and then the other portion of the cream is supposed to be for the drier parts of your face so some brands are doing this if they're focusing on combination skin giving you like two products in one so that is one of those products Uh, very popular and trending at the moment has been for a few years i feel like this might be overtaking mugwort at the moment in korea i think i see a lot of heartleaf focused products not to say that mugwort is on its way out but i think heartleaf is really trending at the moment now another one that does not get much airtime but that i personally love is arginine and this is an essential amino acid key building block of protein that is used as an emollient to retain moisture and as a pH adjuster, which is to control the pH of the product. So you will see this in a lot of different types of products. It's in hair products for hair conditioning. It's in oral care products as an oral care agent. Uh, It can be used just as a pH adjuster in some formulas and also for skin conditioning. Why I think it's so great is because it does deliver those antioxidant benefits and it can play a role in uh, repairing skin damage as well obviously as uh, an emollient it also does have um, some hydrating properties as well so just a general all-around great ingredient that really you'll find it kind of hidden in the ingredients list i don't see too many brands highlighting arginine as like the key ingredient but it is in a lot of just really hydrating products that's what you'll find it in so because i love this one you will notice that it is in our products it's in jelly co's bubble tea steam cream and also in our dewy glaze toner it's also in cosrx's hyaluronic acid intensive cream and that one is a good one for people that have more oily combination skin types Uh, so you will find arginine i guarantee if you flip your products over you will see it in some products if you're looking for it Uh, and another product uh, ingredient rather that i think is similar is elantoin so elantoin is an organic compound used as a skin protectant and emollient uh, at its functions it has so many different functions it's really multi-purpose ingredient it is a good ingredient for rejuvenating the skin for hydrating the skin and reducing trans epidermal water loss which is sometimes abbreviated to tewl uh, t-e-w-l if you see that that's actually what it's referring to 
It also uh, functions as a smoothing and soothing ingredient, as a moisturizing ingredient, improving dullness. Uh, And again, it's one of these ingredients that very, I don't think I've ever seen a brand highlighting this as like the key ingredient in their formula, but it's quite popular in K-Beauty and you will see it in products when you when you look for it. Our bubble tea steam cream contains elantoin. So too does Tosuung's spot whitening Vitaclinic cream, which is a very, very popular product, a beautiful uh, moisturizer for people that have issues with pigmentation, dullness and whatnot. Uh, April B has it in their Centella mist toner. So even though they're calling out Centella as the key ingredient, it also does have this as a support ingredient Uh, so keep an eye out for that one that is another one that I just think doesn't get much airtime but I really really do enjoy it in formulas now this one is no secret that I love panthenol panthenol is also known as pro vitamin b5 and it's a very popular ingredient not only in k-beauty but in western beauty products as well i think this is just an all-around skincare favorite it's used as an emollient for skin and hair but also as a solvent so what does that mean that means that it actually dissolves ingredients in a solution so to give you a different type of texture to your product. Uh, So you will see it in hair conditioning products, skin conditioning products, lots of different products. It is a great moisturizing ingredient and research has shown that it does decrease transepidermal water loss uh, at just 1% of the formula. So that it will give you a more supple feel and uh, appearance to your skin. It can rapidly hydrate skin. You will notice panthenol in a lot of products for babies if you have a baby um, because you know you're often well multiple times a day you're changing their nappy uh, and you know they can get nappy rashes and and all of these kind of things because you know it's, it's like the, it's rubbing on their skin constantly and then you know they pee their nappy or poo their nappy and then that's on their on their bum so you have to clean it all off and that's that whole process is very abrasive to the skin so often babies will end up with nappy rashes and if you have a look at the the products that you're using for your baby's bum oftentimes it will contain panthenol in the formula Uh, so it is a very well respected and well loved ingredient um because it is one of my personal favorites i literally shoved it in everything it's in our bubble tea steam cream our cherry blossom sleeping mask it's in our dewy glaze toner as well it's also in tosung's hyaluronic acid aqua ample so that is a really nice formula as well that does have multiple different molecular molecular weights of hyaluronic acid and also panthenol so just a treat for the skin um panthenol is just a great uh go-to ingredient for people that do have really dry skin who are also prone to to um, you know barrier damage irritation sensitivity which is me to a t that's why i love it now another one and this is the final ingredient that i have for you on my list is squalane and i think that this is probably getting a little bit more attention but again i i feel like i don't see it really highlighted as much as other ingredients certainly not as much as you know the really popular ones like snail mucin or whatnot even though it's actually in quite a lot of different products Uh, it's a hydrocarbon made from a carbon and hydrogen it is used as an emollient 
uh, for hair, so to retain moisture in your hair, and also as an, an occlusive for the skin, so to help hold moisture in. So what it does is it will actually act as a barrier to prevent moisture from leaving your skin. So it's in general a very safe way to boost hydration in your skin and hair it's quite a well tolerated ingredient uh so you will if you do have that kind of skin type i think you will really enjoy it what is it in it's in our bubble tea steam cream it's also in applebee's retinol vitamin a cream so to kind of counteract the effects of having a retinoid in there numbergen has it in their number three skin softening serum and then axis y also has that in their dark spot correcting glow serum as well so squalane is just a generally great all-rounder uh, and very very good for skin conditioning. So keep a look out for that. Um, and so I'll just quickly run through all of the ingredients that we have covered today. It wasn't a huge list, but we, we covered uh, red wild ginseng. We took a look at betaine as well, better glucan, rice extract, birch sap, heart leaf, arginine, elantoin, panthenol and then squalane so these are all uh, ingredients rather not products ingredients that you will notice in your skincare products now that you are you know i know a little bit more about them probably Uh, and if you flip some of your products that you have in your bathroom over at the moment i'm pretty sure you'll find at least one of these they just don't get as much airtime, but there's no necessary reason for that i think it's just you know what what ends up trending and taking off is just run like luck of the draw honestly i really do think that like snail mucin is such a classic example of that it's like it 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 had a brief moment of being popular in korea and then like we were on to the next thing and it just really took on a life of its own overseas like i just feel like snail mucin and k-beauty outside korea are like synonymous with one another but a lot of koreans would be kind of like Ah, oh, that's weird. Like, why is that so so popular? Like, there's so many other ingredients and there's so many other trending ingredients, but that is just a little bit of a, a difference between, you know, the local market and then obviously what is sold overseas, what's exported overseas. Uh, but I hope that some of that was useful, new information, um, I don't know, mildly entertaining, <laughs> any of the above. If you have enjoyed today's episode, then I would love it if you could leave a rating and review for the show uh, and, you know, share it, share it with a friend, share it with someone else that loves skincare, share it in uh, your Facebook groups that you're in. If you're in some skincare ones, uh, you know, that's a great way for people to find out about the show um yeah so i am going to leave it here for this week for today i apologize that the episode was once again late but work just keeps getting in the way we've just got so much going on at the moment uh, and i am i have a trip i have a business trip next week at the end of next week so i'm madly trying to get everything done here before i leave i am heading to the middle east uh, for the big beauty expo over there so lots to do over there but i am just like in a mad rush to try and finish all my work get everything done pack everything up get over to the expo uh so yeah i look i apologize but it's just a busy 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 time of year so uh you 
will have to forgive me if the episodes are sometimes a little bit late. Uh, Alright, I'll finish it up there. I will be back in your ears next week. And until then, I will see you on Style Story. 